Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. From the beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, and my boy Sarah on the other end is coming from a little bit of a different location. He's in Denver, Bronco uh, country out there in Denver, Colorado. Sarah, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. You know, travel day. Got some tired kids out there, you know, but uh, we're going to take it as it comes today. It's all good, all good things, and uh, I love being out here in Broncos country. It's a dry heat, and it was hot when we got here, man. Had to be, had to be over 100 degrees, but... You know, it's football season. We're we're ready. We're we're just uh, gosh. When people listen to this, it's going to be tomorrow is when Broncos training camp opens, and I will be there, and I can't wait. Mm, he's homering down in Bronco country <laughs> out there in Denver, Colorado. So uh, you know, just eight thirty-five over there in that beautiful Mountain Time. I know. A little bit later here on a Tuesday evening. Sorry, folks. We were we are a day late on our podcast schedule. Uh, we apologize for you avid fans, you guys that uh, constantly check your phones for us on Tuesdays and Friday mornings. We appreciate your love, and we're sorry for the delay. Uh, while you are showing some love, man, like, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate you guys for doing that. I know we typically handle that type of business towards the end of the show, but we might as well knock it out while we're here. But um, for those of you guys who have been listening over the last couple of episodes, man, we're deep into our divisional breakdowns at this point. We've knocked out three of the eight divisions, and tonight we'll be talking about one of my more, you know, one of the more favorite divisions, uh, especially here on this show uh, with the Pat Mahomes Love We Show, uh, the Philip Rivers Love We Show, and all the uh, Bronco loving you could possibly have here on the NFL March <laughs> Podcast. It is the AFC West, folks. We will be breaking down the AFC West tonight. Uh, and again, for those of you who haven't been catching up with us, uh, we'd like to do our superlatives first. Uh, let you know who we think the best offense is, the best defense, and then the best young trio, uh, best roster, and we saved the best for last. The best quarterback, uh, obviously that is the most important position uh, you know, I would say in all of sports, Sarah, would you say mm-hmm. the quarterback position weighs heavier uh, than any other position in sports? Maybe, uh, you know, with basketball going a little more positionless, maybe you could say just a superstar or a megastar uh, in the NBA is obviously vital uh, for your team's success. But uh, other than that, just a positional value, is there anything higher uh, than quarterback play in the NFL? I don't think so, honestly. I mean, I think if you get a – if you get a really good staff, like a pitching staff in baseball, or if you have—I mean, it doesn't. Look at the Los like, Angeles maybe Angels. Maybe like a hot goalie. Yeah, yeah, maybe something like that. Maybe somebody who just unstoppable goalie or something like that. But 
I mean, if you look at baseball, like Mike Trout is the is the best baseball player of this generation by far, and like half people probably wouldn't know who he is. And uh, in basketball, you know, you don't. You, it's not like anybody's saying, "Well, you need a dominant shooting guard to be good in this league," or you need a dominant center like it was back in the '90s or whatever. This the football has consistently been. If you don't have good quarterback play, you know, you, you're pretty much. I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough to do anything, and so it's it's a quarterback driven league. It's quarterback is the most glamorous position in all sports, and rightly so. I mean, you have to have a good one to win. Yeah, it's almost like the game of football is set up, or at least professional football is set up in the sense that, you know, you have to have all the right pieces in place if you don't have the right quarterback. Uh, whereas, you know, you can take a chance on a bunch of guys and maybe not have, you know, the best all-around roster if you've hit on the quarterback position because that's how valuable it is. So it's kind of a safety net yeah. for most general managers. Uh, and those general managers and head coaches, for that matter, are typically tied to their quarterback. Um, the guys we've seen last the longest tenures in the NFL as of late are guys that are tied, uh, you know, to quarterbacks that have been around uh, for as long as we can, you know, foresee in our, you know, fandom as of the last, you know, decade and a half, if you will. And those two coaches that immediately come to mind are obviously Bill Belichick and Sean Payton. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm missing a two, but those two guys – are uh, directly tied to their quarterback play. Um, and I know that's a little tangent here. We're already off on to uh, something a little different than the AFC West. But let's get into it, Sarah. Let's start off with our best offensive category. Uh, and I'll let you start, man. Who has the best offense in the AFC West? And is this an easy category to pick? Yeah, I think this is really easy. And you just mentioned, you know, you talk about the importance of the quarterback position. And, I mean, the the Kansas City Chiefs have the best quarterback, maybe not just in the division, but maybe in the entire league, and, and Patrick Mahomes. And Kansas City's offense is just so balanced. I think one of the greatest things... You know, if I'm if I'm taking off the orange glasses here for a minute, one of the greatest things that they did last season was when Kareem Hunt was suspended and they had to or not suspended, but they, they cut him actually from the team. They bring in Damian Williams who comes out and just absolutely uh fills in perfectly. I mean they did and Damian Williams, he was always a solid player with with the Miami Dolphins and everything, but it was never uh, it was never a thing where you were like, oh yeah, you know he's a, he's gonna be a great free agent pickup for someone someday. It was just kind of an unheralded, under the radar move. And then all of a sudden, the Chiefs put him in, and he's got six touchdowns in however many uh, just a few games there. So they did a great job of just bringing in people who fit that system. I mean, I, I know Sammy Watkins has missed some time. They haven't skipped a beat, uh, and, and Andy Reid is is do all the credit for that. So this this offense is so balanced. They've got a great offensive line. Eric Fisher's really come around after a slow start to his career. And Mitchell Schwartz, I'll say this, I know Von Miller has talked about this throughout his career, but Von Miller has talked about Mitchell Schwartz being the toughest offensive tackle he's ever faced. And so we're about nine years into Von Miller's career. If he hasn't seen anyone better than Mitchell Schwartz, I'd say that dude's pretty good. So Kansas City's just balanced, and obviously Pat Mahomes took him to a new level. Yeah, of course, you, you could have probably foreseen this there. Of course, I had a little Mitchell Schwartz love thrown in to my notes here for Kansas City. And here's my little nugget of the show for the listeners here, man. Uh, since being drafted, I believe, in the third round there uh, in Kansas City in 2012, the Kansas City Chiefs have played 112 regular season football games there. Uh, 
my boy Mitchell Schwartz has started every single one of them. 112 wow. for 112. Uh, the epitome of consistency. And, man, Eric Fisher was a really, really boring number one overall pick, uh, you know, a handful of years back. But, again, just consistent football play from the left tackle uh, there in Kansas City. Um, I believe that was – was that the Alex Smith draft? Um, I think yeah. they paired up those two together. Um, and, obviously, mm-hmm. he's outlasted Alex Smith there uh, in Kansas City. And, you know, one other note here I have about this Kansas City roster. You know, let's just call him a two-tight uh, – or, excuse me, a one-tight, two-back, uh, two-wide receiver offensive system here just for fun's sake. I think every single guy in their, you know, 11 on 11 depth chart here on the offensive category could start on every other roster in the NFL apart from Cam Irving, their left guard. He truly is the only, you know, kind of down spot in this offensive roster. Everybody else I genuinely think uh, could travel around the NFL uh, and and beat guys out for their spots on any other roster. I think they're that Mm -hmm. strong. Um, again, apart from Cam Irving, who's just a mountain of a man there at the left guard spot, um, but he hasn't quite put it together, uh, and I believe this is going to be his fifth year, so we'll kind of see what he can do. But you hit on it, man. The quarterback spot uh, is well taken care of for the foreseeable future there in Kansas City, uh, you know, well over a decade. That's the awesome thing about these quarterbacks nowadays. Uh, the good ones seem like they're going to play uh, almost two decades. Um, so Pat Mahomes is going to be locked in there for quite a long time. And I know, Sarah, we talked about it pre-show, and we haven't mentioned him up in here, and we're 10 minutes in, so uh, it's kind of, you know, a rare thing for most people who talk for a living here. Uh, the Tyreek Hill situation has yet to be mm-hmm. uh, solved, but we decided pre-show we would evaluate this roster with Tyreek Hill obviously still in tow, uh, and that being the case, I think they've got a really, really strong receiving core. Outside of that, I would still say they need at least one more big-bodied wide receiver on this roster. Chris Conley doesn't quite meet up to those requirements yet, uh, you know, in his career. Uh, and that's the only hole I see there. Left guard uh, and one more big-bodied receiver. They've got enough of the Tyreek Hills and the Miko Hardmans. So we're in agreement. That is the best offense uh, in the AFC West. A uh, little you know, maybe honorable mention here to the L.A. Chargers because they do have a really, really solid offense there. The only problem I would have, Sarah, is that offensive line. Would you agree, my man? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's been an area of concern for them. I mean, I know Phillip Rivers has been struggling to stay protected for the past couple of years. Up until really last year, they did a lot better of a job. But they've, they've definitely tried adding some pieces there. And I think interesting shout-out here for their offensive line, Trey Pipkins a graduate of my alma mater at the University of Sioux Falls. And I have never seen anyone from the University of Sioux Falls be drafted. I know that they had a, a kicker drafted or something like that way way back when. But uh, since I've been following the draft, I've never seen anyone from the University of Sioux Falls get drafted. And Trey Pipkins was a guy that I thought was going to be maybe like a maybe like a sixth or seventh round guy just because he played at USF. But, uh, man... Just a third-round pick, the Chargers. Tom Telesco coming in hot with the University of Sioux Falls draft pick hit there this year, and I think he's got a chance to start at right tackle for them. So, yeah, I think, like you said, the offensive line, definite area of weakness, especially if a third-round rookie is coming in with a chance to start uh, this season for them. But, man, that's a, that's a fun pick. I just had to highlight it. Which Pouncy brother do you prefer, Mike or Marquise? Marquise, for sure. Yeah. I'm a big Marquise sure. guy as well. 
you know, I liked Mike in uh, Miami, but uh, I would prefer Marquise there from Pittsburgh as yeah. well. Yeah. And I believe Mike, you know, he was the one who had a stint uh, playing left guard there at Florida while Marquise was playing center when they played together, correct? Yeah, yep, that's right. So I believe that that's kinda, right. That, that kind of tells you who the better center in uh, that family is mm-hmm. uh, all the way dating back to college. So a little sidebar yeah. there, uh, again, with uh, a little center play. Everybody loves that. Everybody loves center talk. A little Mark Absolutely. and Mike Pouncey talk. Um, so honorable mention to the Chargers. While we're talking about the Chargers offense, because I don't know how much more we're going to mention them, what do you think about the whole Melvin or, uh, Gordon ordeal? Uh, is he worth, you know, top flight running back money, Sarah? Give me your little quick spill on Melvin Gordon and whether or not he's made the correct decision to sit out. And if you're the L.A. Chargers, do you let him sit out and try to prove whether or not you can win without him? Yeah, I think he's definitely made the right decision to to sit out and hold out. I mean, the life, the shelf life of a running back in today's NFL is very short, even for the really good ones. I mean, you look at some guys who have been given big contracts in recent years. I was just reading, somebody put together a list of some of the guys, and I was reading through this list, and I'm like, man, this is a tough, this is a tough, tough deal here. I mean, you got guys dating back to LaShawn McCoy signing his big contract to David Johnson, who's now, I mean, people have forgotten that that guy even exists. Uh, and there's just there's too many names on that list of guys who signed big money contracts at the running back position who have gone on to just get hurt or they haven't been the same or whatever the case may be. And Melvin Gordon is a guy who's already been playing through injuries. And so I, I for from his perspective, it makes a lot of sense to sit out because you need to get that money while you can. You don't go out there this year and risk you know tearing an ACL in your contract year at a position where you may only get one more contract. And so I think that he's doing the right thing. And I think the Chargers are doing the right thing by not paying him. So we're at a situation here where I legitimately think that if, if you have a running back that's holding out, that you should, you should find a way to trade him. And I, don't, I, just, I just don't think that any of these guys are worth – I don't think they're worth putting $14 million in, you know, in that position. It just doesn't make any sense to me because you can't guarantee that those guys are going to stay healthy. And I know that – you can't guarantee it for any position whatsoever, but at the same time, running back, we just we know that the life of a running back in the NFL is way too short. It, I mean, if you get five years out of a running back, that's that's great, but anything more than that is icing on the cake. And so for the Chargers, what is it? Is this year five for him? This has got to be his fifth year now. And so that I just I would let them I would let him play out his contract, and I'd say, look, like. If you if you stay healthy this year, I mean, and last year was the first year that he had even over four yards to carry for an entire season, and he didn't even play the whole year. So he was averaging three point nine or less his first three years in the league. So I just I would not pay him. I would trade him, and I'd let somebody else pay him. But I mean, that's just me. Yeah, I think one thing that's going to get addressed, uh, you know, in the next CBA bargaining uh, is definitely going to have to be these rookie scale contracts. Uh, especially towards the running back positions because these guys, you know, their primes only, you know, up until they're about 26, 27, and then the tread really Mm -hmm. starts running off of those tires. And with the way these rookie-scale contracts are set up, these guys can't even get into their second contract before their primes damn near, you know, extinguished. So it's really Mm -hmm. tough for these guys, you know, to make, you know, prime-type money uh, into their later parts of their career because they don't have it. So I think maybe – uh, they need to shorten that up with positions 
that are, you know, extremely physically demanding. And I don't think there's one that we see the, you know, the retention rate be as low as that of the running back positions. The higher paid guys are all under the age of 27, um, you know, or around that age. Once they get to 27, 28, teams don't, you know, they don't tend to pay these guys very much money outside of the Adrian Petersons of the world who are just an enigma uh, that play until they're 32, 33 years old. And who's to say what that guy's body's going to look like when he's 50? Um, yeah. That would be my main concern because, you know, like we say, there's, if a running back is a battery ram, there's only so many times you can run it into a door uh, and, exactly. and expect that battery ram to hold up. Uh, especially long-term. So let's get into the best defense category. Uh, and, Sarah, I, I got to say, man, we've been doing this show for, what, a couple months now uh, together? Mm-hmm. And I think it's finally time that I show your Denver Broncos some love here on tonight's hey. AFC West showing. So, uh, in fact, I do believe the Denver Broncos have the best defense uh, in the AFC nor- or West, and I don't think it's that much of a, you know, a difficult division in terms of defenses. This is by far no stretch, uh, you know, by far no way the AFC North uh, in terms of defenses here uh, out in, in the AFC West. But, you know, we'll kind of see what Draymond Jones ends up looking like as a rookie this year. But let's kind of set him aside. Even if he's merely average, I'll take Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and Derek Wolf with anybody's, you know, big three, we'll call them up front, you know, defensive line-wise. Chris Harris has obviously made a household name uh, for himself. Uh, and the value of an elite slot corner uh, is nev- it can never be overlooked in, in modern-day NFL. And for that reason, Bryce Callahan is obviously a great young player. I know you mentioned him last show. Um, a close second place, though, in this category for best defense has to be that Chargers defense. I thought they were one really big, you know, playmaking defensive lineman away from being really scary last season. I love what they do defensively in terms of schematics with playing as many DBs and as much nickel coverage as they do because Lord knows, uh, you know, with the signing of or with the addition of Nasir Adderley, they have plenty of defensive backs in that backfield. Um, so I really like what they do with a, a close second. And Denzel Perryman there at the inside linebacker position when he's healthy which has become a really big if and when there for him. Yeah, I know it is. Um, But when he is on the field, they are really, really good. Um, And and we we know what they have at the defensive ends there in Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. So that's kind of my feeling uh, in terms of a second place. Uh, And Kansas City and Oakland, man, I was looking at Oakland's roster today. Uh, A a lot of young players that are really going to have to hit for them to be any type of good this year on the defensive side of the football. Uh, in Kansas City, man, they've got some outside uh, defensive back questions that need to be answered. But that's kind of my feelings on this defense of, uh, you know, units from the AFC West. There you have it, uh, Sarah Bettinger. I'm, I'm, I picked your Denver Broncos. I'm speechless. I'm speechless at it. I'm floored. I, I thought you were for sure going to pick the Chargers. But, man, wow, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so I'm so excited by this. I'm so happy. Uh, gosh. Well, Vaughn well, Miller's the best defensive player in the conference. I don't think that's even questionable. And, yeah, easily. You know, easily. Your, your, your linebackers there and Todd Davis and the Parks kid, they, they, their jobs are really, really easy uh, considering the guys that play in front of them. Uh, and and you've got Kareem Jackson there in the defensive backfield at safety. So I'm here for it, man. Uh, I'm, I, I am. I'm here for it. I dig it. I dig it. I 
you know, I have to agree with you and say that Denver is the best defense in the division. I think the Chargers have the most complete, well-rounded team in the division. But Denver's defense, for me, with the duo of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, I mean, we saw back in 2015 what a great pass rush can do for you in this league. I mean, we just we just hit on a little bit ago about the quarterback position and the importance of it. I think the Broncos are one of the only teams that I've ever seen win a Super Bowl with, with probably the worst quarterback play in the NFL. And I, I know that they were number one in the league in interceptions that year between Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler, but that pass rush was so impactful that they were able to win, I think it was five or six straight games at the end of that season, including playoff games, including winning against Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, and the MVP Cam Newton in the Super Bowl. So what a good pass rush can do for you cannot be overstated. And the Broncos have it in spades. I mean, they've got Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Derek Wolf, like you mentioned, and an underrated player. Shelby Harris at the interior defensive line. He was the highest graded defensive lineman by Pro Football Focus in the entire NFL last year. I know that's weighted for, obviously, a little bit for his snap count. He was only about a 50% player. But at the same time, I mean, that's efficiency right there. I mean, he graded above any other defensive lineman, and and I think that's pretty awesome. So he did a great job, and he's going to get more snaps this year. And then obviously the second level I think is their biggest concern. But like you said, their job is a little bit easy. And I'm double homering down here. I'm double doubling down on my homerism. And I think that one of the breakout players on this team is going to be former Iowa Hawkeyes linebacker Josie Jewell who's stepping into a full-time role after kind of splitting time with Brandon Marshall last year, who's no longer with the team. And, and they bring in those secondary pieces, like you mentioned, Bryce Callahan, a freakish athlete at the nickel there. Chris Harris can play outside. Kareem Jackson's going to come in, float around between safety and corner. And then you've got uh, Will Parks and Justin Simmons at the safety, who are a couple of really good athletes as well. So, yeah, this Denver defense is stacked, uh, and they're starting 11, and their depth is much better this year. You mentioned Draymond Jones coming in, and and they've got some guys in the secondary coming up. Isaac Yadam, a guy that they really like, a third-round pick last year. And then Sua Cravens, a former second-round pick of the Washington Redskins. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. He was hurt most of last year, came back a little rusty after taking a year off of football. So I think it's yeah, I the best and the deepest unit. He football there at one point. He did. He did. And his side of the story of that is interesting, man. He claims that the – and I know that there's some stuff with Trent Williams lately – um, you know, in the way that he didn't like how he was being treated with his injuries and everything. But Sua Cravens kind of claims that the, that the Redskins really didn't handle the concussions that he had very well. And uh, he, he was suffering from, from some, you know, I, I can't say exactly what it was. I don't know for sure. But it was something with his brain and, and you know, things that he needed treatment for. And and uh, he, he's, you know, he seems like a pretty fun-loving guy, but he holds a pretty big grudge against them for that. So, just an interesting thing, but yeah, on the field, I hope the guy gets back to playing at a high level because his rookie season in 2016 was pretty awesome. All right, well, let's give it to the folks for fun right here as we just showed the Denver Broncos about seven minutes of love. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, we got to let them know. We got to let them know. When we homer down, <laughs> we homer down hard with the roster horn. Okay. Yeah. The we Denver did. Broncos, the best defense in the AFC West. Let's get in. To our best young trio category, Sarah, it did not take me long uh, to run down these three names from the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Pat Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Tyreek Hill, man. 
I don't think, uh, you know, I know we, we use a lot of these hyperboles a lot, but whoo, that's a pretty damn good young trio. It's pretty hard-pressed mm-hmm. to find mm-hmm. a, a better one across the league right there, especially with how good we believe Pat Mahomes is going to be, my man. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, really tough one to beat. I think, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at guys who are already kind of established and proven players, I think that the Chargers have a pretty good one with Derwin James, Joey Bosa, and then if you want to include Hunter Henry in that mix, maybe Mike Williams, who's kind of a little touchdown machine for them. Yeah. They've, got some, they've got some players who could compete with that. I, I, I definitely agree with you. The Chiefs trio is just, is just awesome. Chris Jones, if not for Aaron Donald, Chris Jones would be the best interior lineman in the entire league and everyone would be I mean his stats last year I looked I didn't even know about him until I actually looked him up and I was putting together this all AFC West team uh for predominantly orange.com three technique dude I mean it's it's insane what he's able to do and you know unfortunately the main thing that we all know him for is you remember the scouting combine when he ran his 40-yard dash you know some things spilled out you're going at yeah yeah so a little I I mean it's it's a hilarious video. If you haven't seen it, it is. Uh, just go Google that. Uh, a well endowed man, there, Chris Jones. Needless to say, but please continue, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's what we remember him for, you know. But uh, my gosh, yeah, he's a good player, and the Chargers just they they don't have anyone that quite competes with that. I don't think even Bosa, but uh, and and obviously no, no, not even Derwin James, who was the best rookie defensive back I've seen in a long time. He doesn't compare with Pat Mahomes, and so that's I just picked that one because I figured if we went with the Chiefs for one of them, I would pick a different one. But uh, you know, Denver's got Denver's got some decent players up and coming, but I don't think anybody quite as proven as those guys. You know, Philip Lindsay is he was so exciting last year, but I don't I just don't know who he'd pick as the two other guys to pair with him. And then Oakland's young guys are I mean we're gonna find out this year if they've got a trio worth mentioning three. next year. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be quite a while before we can kind of make a determination on anything going on in Oakland. Uh, it will we'll be well within uh, the Las Vegas uh, city limits before we figure out what the Raiders are going to be, <laughs> uh, especially with those draft picks. Let's get into where we at. We're at full-on best roster at this point, Sarah. We'll start with you. Who's got the best all-around roster in the AFC West? Yeah, I guess I kind of spoiled that a little bit ago with my pick, but I definitely think it's the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, they've they've got kind of I don't know I don't know how to really picture it. It's like a volcano that's about ready to erupt. You know, they've collected so much talent and they've hit on so many draft picks in recent years that they are ready to just they're either going to do extremely well or like has happened in the past. Injuries are going to bite this team, and, and they're not going to be able to quite put it together. But, man, their roster up and down, I, I, I just I don't see a weakness on it. I don't see an area of this team that I'm like, well, that's, that's a question mark right there if, if these guys are healthy. So we're giving them the benefit of the doubt that right now, as they're all fully healthy right now, that they're going to stay healthy. And if they, if they are, they're just so – their starting 22 guys are unbelievably good. And uh, that's – I don't really have a, a whole lot of else to say about that. I mean, they're, the proof is in the pudding last year. They were top 10 in offense and defense, and they've got young superstars on both sides of the ball. So I just – I don't know. The Chargers, to me, are the most complete roster, and I don't know right now that it's particularly close unless somebody in Kansas City's defense really steps up or Denver's offense really steps up to the table. 
Yeah, so I'm kind of in agreement here with you, uh, and for one reason, and it's Phillip Rivers at the age of 37 still playing exceptionally well there at the quarterback position. And, you know, like you mentioned, it, it is all about, you know, whether or not they stay healthy because I'm with you. One through 22, I don't even think it's just the AFC West. I think you can put them up in there in the top three to five range in total of all NFL, uh, just one through 22. My only question about this football roster outside of the offensive line is, you know, what does 23 through 53 look like? Because, mm-hmm. you know, football football obviously is a physical sport. People are going to get injured. And, you know, when Keenan Allen goes down for the, you know, seemingly the second time in four years, what's going to happen there at the wide receiver position? You lost Tyrell Williams or, uh, to free agency this year. I know Mike Williams is suspected to have a step up here in year three. What happens if Casey Hayward goes down at the corner position? I know we have an onslaught of DBs, but does that move? I mean, you know, what happens there? We already talked about what the issues with Denzel Perryman staying on the field, and we haven't even hit on this interior defensive line depth. I know they added Jerry Tillery uh, to that defensive line there, but what happens if someone goes down there? I mean, you know, we can sit here and play what happens if or, you know, if and if game uh, all day long. And who knows, they may stay healthy for a 16-game season and, and have a, you know, a historic run to a Super Bowl championship for my beloved Phillip Rivers. I would love nothing more mm-hmm. uh, to watch that guy get a ring. Um, but that's my only concern. Outside of that, I would go Kansas City uh, just because of what they have. Offensively, I think they're so offensively you know, oriented and, and heavy, heavy firepower over there for that Chiefs offense. And, you know, one thing I love about what Kansas City did this offseason is the Colin Saunders pickup. I know we've talked about it here on this podcast. I think he adds a really needed element of run stopping in that defense. They were really, really poor against the run last year, and that's part of the reason is because, you know, guys like Chris Jones and guys like D. Ford and Justin Houston were selling out for the pass. And I know they are, you know, they've lost two of those three names we just mentioned, but we haven't brought up um, old buddy from Seattle going over there, and I know they paid him 150 some odd million dollars. Fill me in <laughs> on the name here. What what, what name? Am I Frank Clark. Sure. Frank, Frank Clark. Clark. Yeah. You know why? And that that's a damn name to forget. Frank Clark. Who names? Who names an <laughs> NFL Pro Bowl defensive end? Frank Clark. Get out of here, man. Yeah, um, I know. But no, nah, I'm, I'm all here for it. Um, but my my only problem here with this defense in Kansas City is. You know, we talked about Chris Harris Jr. being a household name. Um, correct me if you've heard there. Stop me if you've heard these names there, audience. Bashad Breeland and Jarvius Ward, uh, the second-year pro there at cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you do have Honey Badger. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's safe to say we're four years into a, a professional career here for Tyron Matthew. Is it safe to say Tyron Matthew had a more impactful and better collegiate career they're at LSU than he so far has in the NFL, Sarah. Is that safe to say or is that a little harsh? I, I think that's pretty pretty safe to say. I mean, he's not been – I remember at LSU he was such a good return oh, man. I so wish we could have seen that. Oh, people, people missed out because he was kind of a troublemaker back then and people wanted to harp on him for that. But people really missed out on what a great player he was. I mean, he was incredible. And he was really good for the Cardinals as well. And I think I honestly thought his best bet would have been staying in Houston and keeping some continuity there. He had a good thing going there. And I don't 
I just don't know. I mean, the Steve Spagnuolo defense, is that going to be the best fit for him and what they're doing? And he's a, he's a good player. I mean, he'll be fine, but I, I just – I don't know. He and I don't know where the Chiefs are coming up with all this money. Honestly, yeah, I, don't I don't know, know. what they're. They gave, I don't get they it. They gave Sammy Watkins what eighty million last year as well. Yeah, and they didn't have any money to give then either. And so, yeah. goodness me, I mean they're they're spending up and down, and and now they've got Chris Jones holding out, which is an underrated storyline right now because he's not. He again, you know, you got Chris Jones and Frank Clark, two of the most forgettable names ever and they're two of the best players on this team and Jones is holding out and that's a big big deal for the Kansas City Chiefs because if he's not playing you're talking about losing you know I don't, I'm sure he'll get back I'm sure he'll play I'm not I don't think he's gonna forfeit game checks or anything like that but you know if you're talking about him not playing you're talking about not having Chris Jones and D Ford from last year's team and D Ford had a whopping seven forced fumbles last year and um, that was one way that, that Kansas City was able to sustain the success that they had, say, and they couldn't like stop a nosebleed. Yeah, yeah, they, they couldn't stop a nosebleed, but at the end of games, D Ford, with a lead, he could get his ears pinned back, and he could rush the passer. I just don't think Frank Clark provides that same type of, that same type of play. Frank Clark has never struck me as a, as a game closer. He's always struck me as like a – you know, a, a first two downs, really high impact guy. Maybe he could surprise the offensive tackle with a bull rush if you throw on first or second down. But he never struck me as a okay. It's third down. Here comes Frank Clark. You know, I I mean, he was really good in Seattle. Don't get me wrong, but I I just and I don't understand what the Chiefs are doing. The whole the whole moral spectrum that we talked about on one of those previous episodes really really irks me with this team. I mean, they cut. They cut Kareem Hunt, but they trade and re-sign Frank Clark, and they're working as hard as they possibly can to to keep Tyree Kill's name cleared and and all these things. And Chiefs fans can come at me with all the hot takes they want. I, I heard I've heard them all pretty much from from Chiefs fans at this point. But man, I just don't I don't like the way that they do business. And I love Pat Mahomes. I hate to you hate. I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna go into my hate to see it you know section right here, but. I hate to see Pat Mahomes on the Chiefs for multiple reasons at this point. But, you know, whatever. It's, it is what it is, and, and I think that just I don't even know what I was ranting about at this point. Chris Jones, you know, average, you know, whatever. You know, hot take here. Frank Clark, severely overrated. This is a guy who's never had oh, more yeah. than 12 sacks in a season. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really here for the Frank Clark love, and especially not at a tune of $105 million over three years, I believe yeah. is what it was, something right. crazy like that. Or no, maybe it's 105 over four. Um, but, you know, let's get into this best quarterback conversation, and I think it's going to be a quick one. Um, it's Pat, Phillip, Derek, Joe, uh, and then Drew Locke in that order mm. uh, here in the AFC West for me. Uh, where, where are your quarters here? And I, I think it's going to be between Derek and Joe, isn't it? Do you think Joe Flacco is a better quarterback uh, at this time uh, in his career than Derek Carr, uh, Sarah? I think they're pretty close at this point, honestly. I mean, Derek Carr has regressed from the twenty, what was it, twenty fifteen or sixteen when they made the playoffs. I think it was twenty sixteen, wasn't it? Twenty seventeen, yeah, yeah, something like that. On, he was on pace to uh, win the MVP or be in the MVP race at least, and a very strong candidate yeah. for one. They were on pace to win twelve or thirteen football games, and then of course, you know, he's he's mic'd up and he broke his ankle. I don't know if you've seen. 
that mic'd up episode, Sarah, but you no. probably need to go watch it after this episode. He's mic'd up in the game where he breaks his, you know, I think he broke both his tib oh and fib there at the bottom, the bottom of his ankle. Sarah, it was the funniest, not the funniest thing, the freakiest thing when you, when you uh. realize how tough some of these football players are. He breaks his ankle, and he reaches down, and he grabs it, and he, he doesn't scream or anything. He goes, oh, it's broke, and he looks at his offensive lineman, and he, and he waves him down. He goes, my ankle's broke. Get the trainer out here. Just as calm as the, the day is long. Um, <laughs> oh, and, no. you know, so Derek Carr, you know, tough as nails, a, a tough SOB, yeah. if you will. Uh, and if you don't believe me, go check out the mic'd up section um, of that. Again, reference there, some NFL film stuff. There. I love those mic'd ups. Yeah. What, what's your What's your favorite mic'd up of all time? Because I got two of them loaded and ready for you. I'll give oh you one. I'll give you one while you think. You ready? My favorite one I yeah. tweeted out the other day. DeAndre Hopkins was getting ready uh, for a game against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, both of mine are actually Texans related. And the Arizona mm. Cardinals, I, I guess it was the wide receivers coach or whoever it was, he walked over to him in pregame and told DeAndre Hopkins, he said, man, I just I had to make it a point to come over here and tell you, you're the best in the game. You're the best doing it right now. And DeAndre Hopkins looks at this older, you know, pretty veteran, looked like he was, you know, a pretty surly coach. And he looked at him square in the face with a straight face and goes, I know. And he put his gloves on and he turned <laughs> around and walked away. <laughs> and then my other, my other favorite mic'd up uh, section or, you know, segment was of J.J. Watt when they were playing the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, quite a few years back, Ray Rice was still on the football team, and J.J. Watt uh, got hit by uh, Ray Rice after the whistle kind of in a pass pro scenario. And J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt looked at him and goes, bro, I've eaten bigger burritos than you. And uh, I thought that was a, a, a pretty good one-liner from, uh, you know, an always camera-hungry J.J. Watt. Do you have any favorite That's amazing. It could It could be hard knocks, anything you got, my man? Yeah, absolutely, man. The be- the best of all time for me, and of course it's going to be Broncos related because those are the ones that I'm most interested in, but it's the Tim <laughs> Tebow mic'd up from back in 2011. Oh, there was yeah. such a cool uh, – oh, it was so cool, man. Did they catch there was such a cool threat? moment. Oh, yeah, they caught the pregame part, and of course, you know, he went over to a fan who – came who wanted his you know picture with him or, or just wanted to say hi to him or whatever he Tim Tebow always has time for people and he's never put off about it he's always got time uh, that's one of the coolest things about him man you just you gotta love the guy as a person I don't care what you think of him as a quarterback or whatnot but that 2011 season was crazy and there was a game against the Chicago Bears that they had him mic'd up for I believe the Broncos were down 10 to nothing or 13 to nothing with Pretty much no time, no time to go. Maybe two minutes or something like that. And, and Demarius Thomas had a big drop in the game that really cost the Broncos. I mean, they didn't get many opportunities to score, and so Demarius Thomas having a big drop pass, it was a big deal because the Broncos didn't really move the ball that well that year. It was basically a predictable run, run, pass situation every single time they had the ball. And uh, Demarius was kind of down on himself. He was a second-year player at the time. And he's sitting over on the bench, kind of just down in the dumps, and Tebow comes over, puts his arm around him, and he goes, hey, don't worry about it. You're going to score the game-winning touchdown. And uh, sure enough, Demarius Thomas scores the game. Well, it was a really a game-tying touchdown. I think the game went to overtime. That was brand but, new uh, rules, he, first season of those brand-new OT rules. Yep. So there it was, man. And it was, it was a season full of those moments. But that game in particular, I mean, things – 
crazy, crazy things happen, man. The Bears have the ball. They can run out of the clock, and Marion Barber runs out of bounds. I mean, just weird stuff that happened that got the Broncos to the division title that year. But that was a special mic'd up seg- segment for sure. Hey! <laughs> um, <laughs> no, one of the most questionable defensive coordinator calls I've ever seen um, you know, I think it was like a third and eight scenario there on that Demarius Thomas play, and the Pittsburgh Steelers basically brought the house and left a single high safety uh, and man-to-man <laughs> coverage on the outside. Don't really understand why you would decide to bum-rush Tim Tebow when you know you can just kind of scatter coverage, uh, and he'll seemingly either take a sack or throw it away. Um, f- uh, an argument for a total another day. Let's get into the AFC West <laughs> predictions. How do you see the divisions shaking out, Sarah? Give me your rundown, and then I'll follow it up with mine. And then we'll hate to see it. All right. Well, I'm I'm not going to let you play the horn for this one. I'm going to take the Chiefs to repeat this year as division champs. I think you, I think at this point there's a pattern in my picks. You know, if you have the quarterback play, you're probably going to get picked for my division champion. And so I'm taking the Chiefs as the number one. And my gosh, I'm taking the Denver Broncos number two, baby. I'm taking the Broncos oh my to, to just back in. I am. Get it ready. Get it ready. I'm taking the Broncos at number two, and I think that it's going to be them separated by about a game with the LA Chargers. But I just, I just yeah, get it. Get it. I love it. Um, I, you know, I got to speak it into existence. The Broncos are making the playoffs this year. I can't say, I can't. I can't just like sit here and try to be diplomatic. I can't sit here and try to be politically correct. The Broncos are going to make the playoffs this year, and, and you're going to like it. You're going to like to watch it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great football. Joe Flacco, Mr. Playoff, baby. Um, yeah, he is the fourth best QB in the division right now. But, you know, by season's end, who knows? We'll see what happens. He might be third best. Um, and I think I'm obviously taking the Raiders last place in this division. I don't care what happens one through three if it's – Denver on top or Denver third place. I don't care. The Raiders are going to be fourth place this year, and we know that. They're just they're they're a shambles right now. So sorry to all you Raiders fans listening, and you can call me a Broncos homer all you want, but I gave love to the other teams, and, and the Raiders are staying staying down. <laughs> Raiders are staying down. Bottom dwellers uh, in the division. I see it the same way. I've got Kansas City twelve and four at the top. Uh, I think the Chargers go ten and six. A little bit of a step down. Uh, from last season uh, and then the Broncos baby I got them fighting for a 500 spot there at eight and eight and you know what Sarah maybe you do go nine and seven maybe you do sneak hey. in to the bottom half of that playoff bracket and you know face uh, you know a higher seed there in the first round and, and, and take a first round exit or maybe you know playoff Joe shows up you never know um, yeah and then I see I see the Raiders hanging out at about five and eleven maybe six and ten I don't think they're, you know, uh, in the conversation for worst team in the NFL. I think they'll be rather a little bit more competitive, uh, especially than last year. You hate to see it, Sarah. I know you're pretty excited about your segment. You already texted me about it. You hate to see it. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah, you hate to see it. The Madden 20 ratings are just garbage. You know, eight years ago, I'm gonna. this is a rant, man. I'm not going to try to take too long here, but I'm going to give Go some backstory on this. Eight years ago, I was sick of Madden. Like The games were the exact same every single year. Very minimal graphic changes, very minimal gameplay changes. Franchise mode wasn't doing it for me. They, they cut off NCAA football, so I no longer had the real draft classes anymore. 
Uh, I was just I was fed up about it, and I know that you can fix that stuff now. But Madden Madden had really, gosh, it had really just it really turned me off, and uh, I I just I can't I couldn't do it anymore. So eight years ago, I literally sold my Xbox. I was like, you know what? To, I'm done with this. I'm done with this stuff. Can't take it anymore. It was making me it was making me angry. So I sold my Xbox. I bought some dumbbells and I started working out and. Uh, now I just get to complain about Madden all the time without without having to care about how the game actually goes. So I just I, I'm seeing these Madden twenty ratings this year, and my gosh, Long story I can't. Short, my boy Sarah's getting jacked. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We gotta get we gotta get swole. We gotta do it. We Sorry, got to. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at the ratings this year, and I, I see the ninety nine club comes out. And the 99 club includes, rightfully so, Aaron Donald, rightfully so, DeAndre Hopkins, and maybe rightfully so, Khalil Mack, and maybe maybe rightfully so, Bobby Wagner. And uh, But that's it. Those are the four guys. And I'm like, well, where's Von Miller? Where's Von Miller in this list? Von Miller's a 99 overall. Where's Pat Mahomes? Pat Mahomes a 99 overall. Where's Tom Brady? There's too many things about the rating system with Madden that I cannot cannot get on board with. And one of the one of the tipping points for me was I don't know if you knew this or not, I don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday, but Bradley Chubb this year came in at an eighty overall. And he's one overall better than Pernell McPhee. And I'm gonna tell you the last time Pernell McPhee was impactful in the NFL. It was about six years ago. And he has thirteen sacks over the last four seasons and Chubb had twelve last year. So I'm trying to figure out in my mind, how is Pernell McPhee a 79 and Bradley Chubb, one of the best young players in the league, is an 80? And then I look around at all these other stupid ratings and I'm just like, you know what, I can't even, I can't even deal with this game. Emmanuel Sanders has the same speed as Alshon Jeffrey. Well, I know that's bull. I just, I can't do it. I can't do it with Madden anymore. I, and I'm going to complain. I'm going to I'm going to keep tagging them on my Twitter. I'm going to keep complaining. But you hate to see it. The Madden ratings they absolutely suck. Yeah, I think this all could be solved if we just pay the NCAA players uh, some video game fees, bring back NCAA, make America great again the right way. And the only way to do that is to bring NCAA back. It'll basically solve world peace and potentially world mm-hmm. hunger. Yeah. I don't know how to yeah. do it, but it'll do it. Um, my rant mm-hmm. for the day. You hate to see it. Uh, we all knew Jadavion Clowney was going to catch a franchise tag this offseason. But, you know, what I hate to see is the fact that, you know, the Houston Texans are basically using semantics to try to clarify uh, Jadavion Clowney as an outside linebacker as opposed to a defensive end. And though that may not sound very important, it's kind of a similar thing we tried to see. Uh, you know, the opposite, in fact, we tried to see Jeremy, uh, Jimmy Graham do uh, several years back. Obviously, this, uh, the NFL franchise tag is a, a cumulative salary based off the top five salaries at your position. Obviously, the linebacker position does not get paid as highly as the defensive end position, uh, and that is why Houston's trying to clarify their obvious defensive end and edge rusher who plays 95% of his snaps, uh, you know, lined up as a five-technique outside rushing uh, the passer, even though he does do, you know, some stuff inside the box, 
playing a little bit of nose tackle and kind of playing what I call a rover position where he just kind of decides a gap he wants to go in um, and shoots it and shoots it well. But he's their primary run stopper in Houston. He is their primary most healthy defensive end. Uh, He's played 14 games, 15 games, uh, and I believe 15 games since he's been in the league. Only missed a handful of games a season uh, as opposed to J.J. Watt, who seemingly misses a half a season to a full season every other year. Um, dating back, you know, four years at this point, Sarah, I believe it was a, an elbow issue and then a knee issue and then an ankle issue uh, for J.J. Watt in, you know, consecutive seasons almost there. Uh, and, and I just don't appreciate, you know, an NFL football team battling over semantics of clarifying a guy's position uh, in order to just cut his pay rate by a couple of million dollars a season, uh, not to mention how, you know, genuinely opposed I am to the idea of a franchise tag in general, uh, something that's also probably going to have to be cleaned up in the next collective bargaining agreement. What's your kind of take on, you know, the teams doing this where they kind of classify the player where they want um, in order to shortchange him on money he's more than rightfully due, sir? Yeah, I think that, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's hard for teams to, to cut corners where they need to in order to put the best 53 out possible. But at the same time, you don't want to just flat out disrespect your best players. And I understand Clowney maybe isn't you know the, the model of clean health over the course of his career. But at the same time, he's one of your best players. You gave him the franchise tag. Give him the right franchise tag. It's a, what is the difference? Like $1.7 or something that I, that I read or something like that. So it's not... It's not even that big of a deal. I mean, you're making you're you're basically saying to this guy, "All right, you're out of here after this year, and we're gonna make you we're gonna basically make you feel you know disvalued up until that point." Yeah, and so I I hate that. I mean, from a business perspective, and and word gets around. You know, players players talk to other players, and Jadavian Clowney is a young star player in this league who's gonna be like, look, like they don't take care of their own, like look what they did this year. They didn't give Tyron Matthew his money. They've they didn't invest in proper protection for Deshaun Watson. Uh they're just they're I don't like what the Texans are doing at all. They didn't bring back Kareem Jackson, who was one of the franchise's best draft picks. I mean, I know they're a young franchise, but they didn't bring him back to finish out his career in Houston. They didn't even make him make him an offer, he said. So I I mean I just don't like the way that they're operating. I understand every team needs to go about their business the way they feel they need to go about their business, but Houston's doing it wrong, man. And I know not having a – I don't even know who their general manager is. I think they're That's not, they're not going with that. a GM. Yeah, they're, I don't That's think they're going with a GM this year. So they're just they're, – they're pushing all the wrong buttons, and, and I hate it. I, you do really hate to see it, especially for the players, and, and I think that that kind of a thing is going to get brought up at the collective bargaining agreement and and the player the the position that the players played should dictate what what he's paid on the franchise tag if it stays but i mean obviously your roster position what you're what you're listed as that shouldn't be your franchise tag it should be where you play yeah for sure i mean and we we see other you know cba dis, disagreements that other sports franchises have or you know excuse me other sports entities across American landscapes have like, you know, baseball, young players don't get paid. Old players aren't getting paid in baseball. It's seemingly if you're not 26, 27 years old hitting free agency in baseball, you're not getting paid. Um, and, you know, in basketball, I don't know how much, you know, disgruntling they've got in their players association. I think they're about the only 
uh, Players Association that seems to be happy right now. I think the other two, you know, we're not going to have a strike in the NFL, I don't think, anytime soon just because it's far too important of a product. And, you know, there's just too many guys that rely upon this money. Uh, I, I, I know maybe, you know, 11 or 12 guys on each roster can afford to take a game check or, or three off, if you will, uh, to see how long the, you know, a strike might last. But I don't think it's in, in the future at any point uh, in the NFL. But there is going to be some arguing going on over this CBA. And that's not to say that the players won't threaten to strike. Um, but I think that's what it's ultimately going to take to rid uh, things like the uh, – to get rid of things like the uh, franchise tag. Look, man, the players agreed to that. They thought it was going to be, you know, a great thing uh, because you were going to get – you were at least going to be one of the top five highest-paid players in the NFL. But what I guess they didn't, decide, you know, talk about was whether or not these owners were basically going to, you know – what do you call it, collude on how much they were going to raise these guys' salaries every year. It seems like they raised the highest-paid defensive end or the highest-paid linebacker or the highest-paid wide receiver by, like, a half a million dollars every two seasons. At that point, mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. how do we all grow? You know I mean? They all collectively bargain on how much, you know, the, the, the market value truly is. They talk about those kind of things even though they're not supposed to. You know, the, the Atlanta Falcons, when they re-up Julio Jones' contract, they're not going to give him $28 million or whatever they truly think he's worth. They're going to step him up just a slight pay raise over what the highest-paid guy is now, and that's been the standard uh, since the salary or, you know, the franchise tag has been enacted. I know we're running a little long, Sarah, but send the folks out, man. I appreciate you for joining us here on your vacation out there to Denver. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate you all for listening. So uh, like Brooke said earlier, if you like the show, please rate, subscribe, give us a comment or two, whatever you feel like doing. We, we really just appreciate you listening and hanging with us through this and hanging with me through my through – my, this is the Denver Broncos episode, baby. Come on now, AFC West, that's my, that's my spot. So thank you all for that. Uh, we appreciate it and uh, share this with your friends. Let's have some fun doing this together. We love you guys. Yeah, man, we'll see you guys next episode. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.